Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Hi, everyone. So we have a returning guest today. We have Dr. Katie Lee. Could you just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about what you've been up to? Sure. Um, so I am Katie Lee, um, formerly known as Katie McCann and then Katie McCann Lee. So I have like three different names now. <laughs> um, so I uh, graduated from University of Illinois at Chicago in 2010. Um, I joined a large DSO and worked with them for um, about 12 and a half years. Um, I was able to um, partner with them in 84 dental practices, uh, served as a clinical partner in five regions. Um, I also uh, am a KOL for Ivaclar. Um, I developed a guided implant training course for Noble BioCare um, and socket preservation courses that I still teach now. And um, at the beginning of this year, in 2023, I sold everything off and left the DSO. Um, I had a baby in May and wrote a book called Saved by the Mouth. And so now I'm on to my new ventures. Yeah, so I'm excited to dive into that uh, Saved by the Mouth book that you have and talk a little bit more about where that passion came from. So when did you first kind of realize the connection between oral health and overall health? Yeah. So I think without knowing it, my first real introduction to it was with my accident when I was 14. So I start out the book about talking about this accident that I had. Um, I was on a four-wheeler or an ATV, um, ran into a telephone pole head first without a helmet on. Um, obviously that did a lot of damage. So I broke every bone in my face from my eyebrows down, lost a bunch of teeth. Um, it took four years and nine reconstructive surgeries to fix um, everything that I had destroyed. But along the way, there was a, a long period of time, you know, about three years that I could not open my mouth whatsoever because um, my jaw was fused shut. And so obviously I wasn't able to eat. I had lots of broken teeth as well. Um, they couldn't really get in to fix everything. And so my, um, the state of my overall health really declined because I had, you know, lots of dental infection, couldn't properly take care of my oral health. And then I wasn't able to eat, um, missing teeth, you know, also affected my mental health. And so, you know, my organs started shutting down, my liver enzymes spiked, my kidneys started to malfunction. And so I learned from a very early age, just how much your oral health can affect your systemic health. But I don't really think it fully set in until probably around 2013, 2014, um, I got introduced to some saliva tests uh, in the practice um, in one of my offices. And uh, one of the stories that stands out actually is I had a, a young couple that came in um, to see me um, because they were trying to get pregnant and they were having a, a really difficult time trying to get pregnant. And their OB said, you know, you should go see your dentist. And they happened to come see me. They had no idea that I was starting to do saliva tests, but uh, what we found out was that they had very high levels. Both of them had very high levels of FN and PG, which negatively affect fertility. Um, and so we were able to render care. And shortly thereafter, they got pregnant. 
could have been a coincidence. I don't know, but I started digging into oral systemic health and that's when I really started to understand just how much the mouth affects the rest of the body. And obviously people need to be, dentists need to be trained in order to render care if they run these salivary tests. But do you think it's something that general dentists across the board can be doing and should be doing? Absolutely. You know, dentistry um, in its history has been a very reactive profession. You know, we wait until we see disease or we watch, right? I mean, how many times do we say, let's watch this tooth or watch this or, you know, please floss more because your gums are bleeding. So we've traditionally been a, a very reactive profession. We wait for disease to be present to where we can see it clinically and on x-rays. Then we render care. What we need to really shift our focus to is being proactive and preventative. And when you start incorporating things like salivary diagnostics and other tests, it, allow you, it allows you to see things that are happening before destruction is visible clinically, and you can get in and render care. And it's, you know, there's so much training out there that's available, and you already have the tools that you need to treat these ailments. You just need to be exposed to the diagnostics, I think. And for, I guess, that example you gave of the women with um, the higher bacteria there, do you just give antibiotics or what kind of treatment do you do? Is that like local like therapy in the gingiva? Yeah. So once you get the test results, then you really have to use your clinical expertise to figure out what you want to do. So there's, you can render traditional periodontal therapy, um, you know, like scaling and root planing. I'm a big fan of using lasers to help kill bacteria in the pockets. You can do localized antibiotics if you see, you know, localized deep pockets, or if they have kind of widespread pocketing, you can certainly render uh, systemic antibiotics. You know, a lot of clinicians are against systemic antibiotics and for, and for good reason, you know, they're not, um, great for your gut microbiome and, and a lot of patients aren't compliant. And so that can lead to things like antibiotic resistance, but I will tell you in the research supports that the best results you're going to get from periotherapy, if there's a severe infection is to do systemic antibiotics. And that's my, um, uh, for sure my experience as well. So I guess circling back a little bit more too. So what, I guess, inspired you from using all this information and in practice so much to then deciding to write the book about it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I felt like I was on kind of like a repeat record all day, every day of just sharing this information with my patients and other clinicians. Um, and I have so many clinical stories that support why I do what I do. And this is a new kind of way of practicing that a lot of dentists don't even know about, a lot of medical doctors don't know about, and patients certainly don't know about it. And so I thought to myself, if I could write a book that is easily understand, that patients can easily understand, hopefully I can get this information out there. And, and my whole goal was to, to let patients know that bleeding gums is not normal. Um, and to let them know that dentistry is important. We're not just here to, to fill cavities and pull wisdom teeth and to do Invisalign, right? We're actually oral medicine specialists. And, and so my hope was, let's give patients this information. Hopefully, they'll take it to their dentist and inspire their dentist to start going down this path of researching how the mouth affects the rest of the body. So that was really the, the thought process behind it. And I'm curious for the salivary diagnostics, when you order that for a patient and you run the test, is that billed through like a medical insurance or is it like never covered by anything? So do they have to pay out of pocket? How does that work? 
Yeah. To my knowledge right now, it's not covered by any dental insurance, unfortunately. Um, but but the good news is, is that a lot of salivary tests are very, very inexpensive. So a patient can get this salivary test for, you know, 150 to 200 bucks, um, which is pretty minimal can, when you think about, you know, if someone goes to uh, a hospital and has to get a CT scan or complete blood workup, I just got some blood drawn um, from a food poisoning I got in Mexico City, and that blood draw was $11,000. Um, so 200 bucks seems pretty inexpensive. Yeah, and for all the information that you get out of it, yeah. very much worth it. And I, I will say that um, what we have seen is that when the tests come back showing that a patient has gum infection, even if the insurance company says, you know, we're not going to cover scaling and root planing because you only have four millimeter pockets and not five millimeter pockets. When we've submitted these test results showing that infection is present, then the insurance is more likely to cover the therapy. So that's really good. Very interesting. And you may know most of my listeners are either fresh grads or dental students. So how do you think that we can apply the information in your book to our time in dental school? Yeah, that's, I'm so glad you asked that because when I was graduating, I remember the very last week, um, a study came out saying that there was an association between heart disease and gum disease. That, that was it. And that was like pretty big news. And now we know unequivocally that oral health is affected to many things in the body. And so I think the first thing that your listeners can start to do is to take a very in-depth medical history and to start and to sit back and actually think like, okay, this is what I see in the mouth and this is how I'm going to connect it to the patient's medical history. It's also important to make sure that you're taking an immediate family history because what we know is that a disease process takes about 10 years of affecting the body before it actually qualifies to be diagnosed as a disease. So what I mean by that is you have to have about 10 years of cognitive decline before you reach the state of Alzheimer's. You have to have about 10 years of insulin resistance or metabolic syndrome before you get diagnosed with diabetes. And so during that time frame, if you know that their family members or their parents have had diabetes or Alzheimer's or heart disease, and your patient doesn't quite have it yet, well, you know that they're high risk for getting that disease because of, of their family. So you can really connect what you see in the mouth to what's going on in the rest of the body. And the main systems that the, the mouth is going to affect is going to be the heart, the pancreas, the brain, um, and the gut and fertility too, of course. Um, so if, if they have systemic ailments like that, you can start talking to them about how inflammation in their mouth could be affecting other things that are going on in their body or their family's body. So I would say that I would start with, um, in-depth medical history. I would also start just looking at different diagnostics that are out there. Um, there's a whole host of salivary tests that, that, um, dentists can use these days, so they can start looking into that. And then another big one down the road, I would really encourage them to start thinking about is start diving into nutrition um, and supplementation because that's super important for a patient's health as well. Another thing I was thinking of is, I mean, personally, I'm not this patient, but I know that there are patients out there that are very skeptical about everything. Yep. So there may be skeptical about if you say like holistic care or if you say preventative care. They think it's all woo-woo and a scam and things. So yeah. how do you try to have conversations with those patients that go into something not very open-minded? 
Yeah. I would say most patients are not open-minded because there's Dr. Google, you know, these days. And, you know, when you get out in, in practice too, every new patient is somebody else's continuing care patient, right? So the chances that some other patient has been seeing a dentist for 10, 15, 20 years that has been saying that everything is fine and that their bleeding gums is normal is pretty high. So majority, I would say 95 out of hundred patients coming to you are going to be skeptical of what you're going to say. And so what I always try and tell them is I give them the information and I let them know the consequences of doing treatment or not doing treatment. And then I let them decide we, I was always trained to try and overcome objectives and get patients to do what I want them to do. But what I found is, you know, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So don't try and convince any anyone of anything. Just give them the, da the data and information and let them try and make um, a decision for themselves. I will say when you have objective tests like salivary diagnostics and MMP8, it's pretty hard to ignore a test result. And that's why I really like using these tests because patients can't argue with the fact that they have, you know, full-blown bacteria infection and it's on a piece of paper in front of them. So that's what's really nice about it. But I will say that on average, it's going to take two or three passes of communication with a patient before it really sinks in that something is wrong. Um, and then once they are convinced of it, because they arrived at that conclusion themselves, they're going to do anything and everything you want to say from or that you want to do from that point on. But it does take a little bit of time to convince people to, you know, be treated the way that you are now practicing. And before we started recording, you mentioned that if there are dentists interested in implementing this into their practice, you do coaching for them. I'm curious, I feel like most dentists, because you said you were like a record on repeat about a lot of these topics to your patients and to other providers. Do you kind of have like a baseline script? You go into a conversation with a patient to just bring up these topics. I'm curious what like points you like to hit on so that we can work on our communication yeah, skills too. Absolutely. I definitely have uh, scripts for dentists and hygienists to use um, to start their conversation with the patient. Absolutely. And that's part of what the coaching is. So a lot of docs, what I'm finding is they want to incorporate oral systemic health in their office, but they don't know where to start. And the biggest thing is they don't know how to talk to patients about it. And you know, especially when you're new out of school, you're trying to figure out how to talk to patients about everything else that they need. The last thing that you want to do is try and have this obscure random conversation about how their mouth is affecting the rest of the body. And so usually what I find is um, even if a doc says, okay, I'm going to do salivary tests, once they get the results, they're like, okay, I know what this means on a microscopic level, but I don't know how to talk to the patient about it. And I don't know how to manage them long-term. So that's what I'm doing now is trying to help dentists integrate oral systemic health into their office. Um, and in terms of scripts, absolutely. I would say the, the best key that I can give a new doc is to keep it super simple. You don't have to go into all of the microbiology of oral systemic health for patients to understand. And that's what's really nice about the book is I, I go through several ways of how I explain things. So, and hopefully dentists can take those little nuggets that I put in there and, and use them in their practice. Awesome. Thank you. I'm curious too, because for us at school, they, they definitely tell us that there's a connection. There's an association with Alzheimer's, with diabetes, with heart disease, but 
we don't ever really practice actually doing anything about it other than like actual periodontal therapy, SRP, things like that. And that's only when we see attachment loss. It's not like we don't run salivary diagnostics, I guess is what I'm saying. So I'm curious if you run the test and you see that there are high indicators of harmful bacteria. After you do the treatment, I'm assuming you run a test again an X amount of time and see if it's improved. And then afterwards, what are you seeing for recurrence or what are you seeing for how to maintain these patients? Yeah, that's a really great question. So yes, you absolutely want to run tests after you initiate the initial therapy because you want to make sure that your therapy has worked. What I noticed um, initially was, you know, not all hygienists are created equal, right? So some hygienists were getting better results than others. And so the tests were actually really good at helping coach those hygienists to get everyone up to where they need to be to render this therapy. The second thing is, is what we know is, you know, biofilm has many layers to it, right? It's not just one layer. And sometimes what happens is you, you render initial therapy, you do a test and maybe that initial bacteria or the really harmful bacteria that you wanted to get lowered has lowered, but you'll see an actual spike in other bacteria because you've kind of wiped out the first layer. Now you see an overgrowth of other bacteria. And so sometimes you have to hit the infection a couple different times before you can get it reduced. In response to your question about how often does it recur, I would say on average, we're seeing recurrence about once a year um, in people that have systemic ailments and oral disease. You know, if it's just oral disease, we're usually able to keep it at bay for two years. But if they have systemic conditions, it usually is coming back every year. So I always recommended patients to get retested every year to see if it come back. We know perio disease is cyclical, right? So it's nice to have these tests to show us when it's going to run, you know, rear its ugly head again. Yeah, that's very interesting. Is there anything else you feel like people really need to hear in this episode? I would say, you know, the big thing is that bleeding gums is not normal, right? Your gums, think of your gum tissue as like your skin. It's an immune barrier. And the whole idea of your gums is to keep what is in your mouth, in your mouth, and not let it get into the rest of the body. But what happens is when we have infection or viruses or fungi or other things, we initiate an immune response and that immune response starts to break down our gum tissue. Once our gum tissue gets permeated, you know, it basically has little holes in it and it becomes leaky. A lot of people have heard of leaky gut. Well, we also need to think of perio as leaky gums. And so when our gums start to get infected, they get little holes in them, they become permeable, and then everything that's present in the mouth goes through the gum tissue and circulates and damages the rest of the body. So that's how the mouth is connected to other organ systems. And so whenever we see bleeding gums or inflammation in the mouth or anything like that, we must get in and stop it. We can't watch it because what we're doing is just watching disease get worse. And so, you know, don't tell your patients just to brush and floss better because first off, we know they're not going to. And number two, you're just leaving disease to set in and get worse over time. So if you see inflammation, treat it. And where is the best place for people to purchase your book? Um, Yeah, so the book is available on Amazon. Um, It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. If they just search Save by the Mouth, it'll pop up. Again, it's meant to be a high-level overview 
very simple read for patients to understand. Um, and of course, dentists to understand because they're trained in this area. Um, so they can get it at both places. And I do have some people that listen that are not dental, but they're well-educated people nonetheless. And you mentioned you also do consults with the more patient side if they have um, questions as well. Could you tell more about that? Sure. So what I found with writing the book is a lot of people were reaching out to me saying, hey, I love my dentist, but they don't do this kind of therapy. Can I come see you? And so the whole goal of this is, is to educate the whole dental system on oral systemic health. So what I'm doing is I'm just providing microbiome testing um, for patients so they can contact me. I will manage their oral and gut microbiome through testing, and then I'll work with their existing dentist and their medical provider to create personalized care plans for them. Um, that way they don't have to leave their dentist or anything like that. And then I'm going to work with those dentists as well to help teach them how to integrate this into their office. That way they can um, do it for their patients. Well, that is amazing. I just want to say congratulations to all your hard work. And I'm really excited to see where everything goes because it's definitely making an impact and definitely making a difference. Thank you. Are you guys getting any, um, you know, you said that you're taught that there's an association between oral and systemic health. Did you guys dive into that at all in school? I mean, basically, no, it's just like, it's linked that periodontal disease can worsen diabetes or diabetes can worsen perio and things like that. Yeah. And we don't run salivary diagnostics. We don't ever do anything with like a localized antibiotics or anything. It's only like scaling therapy. Granted, yeah. if patients don't get better, we refer them to the grad clinic. And I think yeah. that they dive a little bit deeper in there, but we're only looking at patients that have deep pockets that we okay. even like consider into this like treatment cycle. So patients with bleeding gums is again, it's a lot of that brush better, floss better. Yeah. Which it doesn't help and they get frustrated. It it doesn't help. You're absolutely right. Um and what we know is that's just a precursor to the periodontal disease, right? And if we don't catch it in gingivitis and it progresses to perio, now they're at lifelong uh, disease process, right. That has to be managed. So that's why we have to jump in and, and intervene early. I'm just looking up a study that this would be really good for, um, everyone to read. It just came out. It's, uh, in the journal of mucosal immunology. The study is exploring the oral gut linkage and a relationship between oral and systemic diseases. Um, this talks about oral microbiome, gut microbiome, cancer, Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, but it talks about the whole length between the oral and gut. So I can give you the link and maybe you can post it for everyone. Yeah. But there's a lot of really nice um, organizations out there that you and your listeners can look into. Have you heard of AOSH, the American Academy of Oral Systemic Health? I haven't actually. So AOSH is, it's like a organization like the ADA, but it's more, um, it's more about oral systemic health. And, you know, sure, there's some things on there that a lot of people consider woo-woo, um, but it definitely does a really great job of educating people about the link between oral systemic health. So um, your listeners can look into that organization as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome.